Welcome to the Friday Five. It's our weekly list of five things you should know about here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and we are easing into another holiday weekend, but not before we cover a few headlines. Number one, we mentioned last week that the AHIP and NAHU certifications are live for the 2023 coverage year. For those of you selling ACA under 65 health plans, we have an update for you as well. Timing for ACA training is a little bit different. In fact, it varies from state to state, and it varies from state exchanges to the federal exchanges. If you're looking to complete FFM training for federal exchange states, you have until July 15th to complete training to sell 2022 plans. After that July 15th cutoff, 2023 coverage year training for federal exchange states will become available by October of this year. And for the state exchanges that Ritter is active in, those states are Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey, we have the details on those trainings as well. First up, Maryland. New agent registration for the 2022 coverage year is currently closed in Maryland. 2023 agent registration to sell on the Maryland State Exchange is tentatively set to open on Monday, August 8th. In Pennsylvania, our state exchange has training for the 2022 coverage year open until the 2023 coverage year training begins. That is set to launch in mid-August. And for our friends in New Jersey... State exchange training for the coverage year 2022 will stay live until July 31st. And we're still waiting to hear on an official launch date for the 2023 state exchange training in New Jersey. If you have questions about anything related to selling under 65 products, you can reach out to our team here and chat about it. We will have the link to reach out to us in the notes. Number two, also ACA-related. Last Thursday, two very interesting pieces were published in Health Affairs concerning the ACA family glitch. Back in April, we reported on a proposal to fix the family glitch, so let me quickly recap the basics. Part of the Affordable Care Act legislation allows individuals to qualify for a subsidy, if their employer coverage cost goes above 9.83% of their total household income. And that 9.83% is calculated with an affordability test that compares household income to the cost to insure the employee alone, not the cost to cover the employee and their additional dependents. The family glitch is the gap of coverage based on the individual coverage cost being used to determine subsidy eligibility for both an individual and their entire family. And while it seems like an easy fix, just adding another affordability test that would be the cost of insuring the entire family, it's not that simple. Not where the actual law is concerned. 
Because the way the law is written, the IRS can't just make a change to an affordability determination without having it affect other parts of the legislation. Health Affairs recently published two articles, one by Doug Badger that goes very deep into the letter of the law to explain why the most current proposal is not able to be legally implemented. His article hinges on the way the law is worded. And then the other, by Peter J. Nelson, is worded more for everyday reading. It's not quite so densely populated with legal jargon. His piece goes into some of the considerations around the family glitch, like risk management and cost. Both articles come to the same conclusion, though, that the IRS does not have the ability to simply change the wording and add an affordability test to correct the family glitch. And the stringency of the affordability test appears to have been designed to keep subsidy enrollment on the lower end. Basically, it's designed to be an exception for a very small amount of people. Their expert opinions are that the proposal should be reviewed and rewritten, sent to Congress for their review and a CBO cost estimate, and from there, a decision should be made. We will be linking to both of those articles in our notes, and of course, we will be following along with this legislation and reporting back when we hear anything new. Number three, if you use Gmail for your electronic mail and you access your account on a desktop, you'll notice a new design in the coming weeks if it has not already popped up. The new design is much more streamlined, and if you use the app on your Apple or Android devices, the design is similar to what you see there. Gone is the clunky menu on the left-hand side with all the features and their drop-down menus. Instead, in its place is a more streamlined version of email folders and actions. But if you're looking to access Google Meet, Chat, or Spaces, there's a menu to the left of the newly redesigned sidebar navigation that does extend the width of the sidebars horizontally. Whether or not that makes a difference to you, it might take a couple of letters, maybe a word or two, out of the email text preview. Overall, it feels visually updated for current times. When I look at the two designs side by side, the old version clearly looks outdated. So heads up on that change. If you use Gmail, the look is about to change. And previously, users could opt in to use the new look. Moving forward, if you want to opt out of the new design, you'll need to change that in your settings. And there is no word on how long that feature will be around. Number four, Snapchat recently announced a subscription tier, Snapchat Plus, which naturally I had to check out because as subscription models and tiers come out for social media platforms, Instagram might actually pick up on some of these ideas. And probably the most interesting part of Snapchat Plus is the fact that the subscription will not do away with ads on the platform for subscribers. What it will do is give a mix of exclusive and premier access to new features. 
the ability to pin one contact as a BFF, best friend, forever, and the ability to customize the Snapchat icon on your home screen. Snapchat Plus is priced at $3.99 per month and joins social subscription services from Twitter and Telegram, to name a few. I'm honestly curious what Instagram would include in a similar subscription service. The fact that Snap is not removing ads is a little disappointing, but when that is your main profit model, I guess it's understandable. Snap's CEO did mention that they don't see this new subscription venture as a way to make meaningful profit, at least for the time being. Number five, on Tuesday this week, Roku announced a partnership to bring a handful of NBC News channels to its app for free. The new channels bring NBC News from the following locations, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia, Dallas-Fort Worth, Washington, D.C., Connecticut, and South Florida. They are the same news channels that are available for free on the Peacock app, but you won't need to download the additional app to view the content, and you can access those channels regardless of which location you live in. Cable TV has been on the chopping block for many of us in the past few years. Now, with inflation and so many streaming alternatives, it's just not quite the necessity that it once was. And if you missed our Agent Apps episode on Wednesday this week, Tina talked about some free streaming sites that are completely and totally legal. So if you have not listened to that episode, be sure to listen. You might get some ideas about where you can cut the cord. We will be linking to it in our notes. And while we're on the subject of streaming, it is a brand new month, so that means a new batch of content coming to streaming services. Rupel recommends. Here are five of my picks for July. We will start with the most highly anticipated movie in my house. I mentioned this before. Zombies 3 on Disney+, Plus, the third and possibly final sequel that will bring aliens to the city of Seabrook. We've already got zombies and werewolves, so aliens, that seems right. And we will finally see if Addison is indeed human or perhaps an alien. Next, and probably first on most people's must-watch list, the second part of Stranger Things Season 4, the last two episodes. There's a lot of excitement around how this part of Season 4 will go and what that will mean for the fifth and reportedly final season of Stranger Things. And those two new episodes dropped today on Netflix. Also debuting today on Hulu, The Princess, starring Joey King of the Kissing Booth trilogy and the upcoming Uglies series. In this movie, she is betrothed to an evil man trying to take over her kingdom, so naturally she fights back in what some critics have called a diehard for teenage girls. Except for the part where it is rated R, so not for teenage girls. July 25th brings season 5 of Gabby's Dollhouse to Netflix. That is a show that my daughter loves. 
Gabby has a whole bunch of cat friends, and they transform into animated characters to play in her dollhouse. And then my final pick for July, on Disney+, Plus, High School Musical, the musical, the series, the show with the most meta name that we all joke about, comes back for season three on July 27th. Olivia Rodrigo's role has gone from regular to recurring for season three, but there are more than a couple of familiar faces coming in as guest stars. Notably, Corbin Blue from the original High School Musical series, Jason Earls from Hannah Montana, Meg Donnelly from the aforementioned Zombies franchise, and Jojo Siwa. As always, these are a small selection of what is coming in July. For the entire list, check out the link in our notes. And that is all we have for this week's episode. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rappel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru. Artwork by Vivian Zhao.